Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of VU Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, hey, church. Welcome to Church Online. Welcome to actually week three of being quarantined. Uh, I hope that today, as I come to you in your homes, on your mobile device, wherever you're tuning in from, I hope that you're well. We've been praying for you as a church, and we're so thankful for the power of technology. You know, as a church and really a society right now, we are practicing social distancing. But let me just remind you once again, although we're practicing social distancing, we are not practicing spiritual distancing. Uh, today, I'm actually here recording at our VU Casa. It's a space where our college meets and gathers. And uh, we have done all sorts of precautions to come to you by way of broadcast. There's about eight of us over here. Rubber gloves are on by all of the team. We're all staying six feet away, trying to really, really um, apply all that we've been learning and hearing as we bring this broadcast to you. I wanna welcome all of our VU friends and family who join us by way of YouTube, by way of the podcast. Come on, I know you're at home right now, but can we make a little bit of noise? Come on, give some air love, clap your hands. Even if you're on your couch, just clap your hands. Respond with me today. I'm so thankful that we get to come to our extended family, that it's not just VU Church gathering, but there's so many others that are impacted by this ministry. Thank you for your support. Today, we are continuing a collection of talks that we started a few weeks back entitled To Hell and Back. I know this title was determined before COVID-19, but I think it's a pretty fitting title. And actually what we're studying is we're studying the days that Jesus experienced before he went to the cross, before he defeated death, hell, and the grave. We wanna examine what Jesus walked through Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, leading up to his greatest challenge, which was the cross. I believe that as we study his life and really what was his most challenging time, that you and I can find hope, you and I can find principles of how we should live in our challenging times. And I'm thankful for a sovereign God who predetermined, I believe, this collection of talks long before uh, we all knew that we were gonna be in this pandemic. And last week, I loved Don Cherie's sermon. Come on, if you love Don Cherie's sermon, can you do some um, I love you signs right now in the chat rooms that you're in? If you're on YouTube, if you're on Facebook, put the I love you signs for Don Cherie. Oh, how the tables have turned. What an amazing sermon about Jesus clearing the temple. Well, that was on Monday. Tuesday, Jesus curses the fig tree. And it's really about unbelief. And he's talking about small faith. Wednesday, he was silent. We don't know what Jesus did. But I wanted to zero in on the Thursday. The Thursday is when he had the Passover meal. It's when he washed the disciples' feet. And ultimately it's when he went to the garden of Gethsemane. And I wanna zero in on Matthew chapter 26, verses 17 through 30. So if you have a Bible, open up your Bible. If you've got a cell phone, go to the YouVersion app right now and join with me. Matthew chapter 26. The cool thing with all the studies that we're doing right now is every sermon we're putting up, we're creating crew discussion guides. I would love for you to click the link wherever you're at right now for the crew discussion guide. After this sermon, after you watch it, why not with your family, with your friends, even through Zoom or FaceTime, why not go through the crew discussion and apply the sermon, the sermon that I'm preaching to you right now. Matthew chapter 26, verse 17. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, 
go into the city to a certain man and tell him. The teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. Now, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. And while they were eating, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. And Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The son of man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the son of man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him said, surely you don't mean me, rabbi. And Jesus answered, you have said so. While they were eating, watch this, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, everyone right now say, when he had given thanks. Okay, yeah, it's good. I can hear you. He broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Man, I love this passage. And I'm so excited that this is my passage that was assigned to me to preach to you today. And I wanna preach from this subject, the gratitude effect. Oh yeah. The gratitude effect. You know, when I first started out preaching, um, I used to preach in very, very small places. And so the idea that I'm in a room right now that is empty, man, it takes me back to my roots. It takes me back to the good old days. I used to preach in my bedroom with nobody around. And I am thankful every single day now that we have a church full of thousands of people that call VU Church home, that when I preach, I'm not preaching to an empty room. But I just wanna remind you, this ain't new to me. So I'm gonna preach it like I feel it because I did this a long time ago and it's still in me. So I'm not just gonna sit in my chair, but I'm gonna pretend like you are in this room right now and I'm gonna preach this word because it is boiling up on the inside of me. It is called the gratitude effect. Someone right now at your house just say the gratitude effect. Come on, just start, just start putting it in the comments right now. Moderators, just start, let, just say the gratitude effect, the gratitude effect, the gratitude effect. I don't know if I could give you a more practical sermon during this season that we are all facing than this word right here. You know, a few years ago, I was, uh, I was on a family reunion in Hawaii. Now, listen, I don't know where you've done your family reunions. Uh, family reunions, those can be challenging. Those can be tough. But yo, if you're gonna do one, you should do one in Hawaii. It was the best time ever. And I remember going on the trip that I had um, purchased some brand new sunglasses. When I got there uh, to the family reunion, I mean, I've got 14 cousins. They've all got kids now. There was like 30, 40 of us all there in Hawaii. It was a riot. We were having a good time. And I remember day two, I was uh, paddle boarding with my wife. I think that's what it's called. You're on those like surfboard looking things with, with with the oar, Oliver, is that what they're called? I'm looking at Oliver behind the camera. They're called paddle boards, right? And I was paddle boarding and I had these sunglasses on and uh, I had this little cousin, second cousin, and he called me Uncle Richie. He was about 12 years of age. His name is Jackson. 
And Jackson was hilarious because he was just kind of following me around the entire trip. And from day one, he was just around me, Uncle Richie, Uncle Richie, Uncle Richie. And to be honest with you, I kind of found him at the time just a little, you know, he's young. I don't want to use the word annoying. He's my family. But everywhere I looked, he was like my shadow, Uncle Richie, Uncle Richie, Uncle Richie. And I wasn't really giving him the time of day. But on day two of my trip in Hawaii, I was on a paddleboard and I had my new sunglasses on and a wave came and the wave knocked me off the paddleboard. When it knocked me off the paddleboard, I fell into the water and would you believe it? My sunglasses fell to the bottom of the reef. Well, right away, I, I, I dove down trying to find the sunglasses. I spent about 20 minutes trying to find these brand new expensive sunglasses. Couldn't find them. I gave up. I said, whatever. And I went back onto the sand, onto the beach. And would you believe it? My little nephew cousin, Jackson, was there on the beach. He goes, Uncle Richie, uh, you okay? I said, bro, man, it's crazy, man. I just lost my sunglasses out there in the water. He said, I'm going to find them for you. I said, okay, man, I like your ambition and I like your passion, but it's kind of impossible. That, I mean, I dropped them 25 minutes ago. They're down on the bottom of the reef. I, I, I don't think you're going to find them. Well, he got a snorkel, he got a mask and he got some fins. And this kid went right back out to the scene of where the incident happened. And for about an hour, this kid was just diving down. I was on the sand, I was laying out. I was just completely checked out. And about an hour into his expedition, all of a sudden, I heard him come out of the water. He had so much joy in his voice. He said, Uncle Richie, I think I found him. I said, it's impossible. And he has sunglasses. He goes, I found him. I found him. I said, well, what do they say on the sunglasses? And he looks inside the sunglasses. He says, made in Italy. I said, I know, I know, I know. But what do they say on the outside of the sunglasses? He says, Tom Ford. I said, there is a God somewhere. Jackson came in. Yo, I put this kid up on my shoulders. You would have thought he just finished a marathon. I was celebrating him. Let's just say for the next seven days, I spent a whole lot more time with this kid. I became this guy's biggest celebrator. I think about that story and it makes me laugh because I truly believe it is the power of gratitude. You know, I think many times in life, what happens is, is that we don't understand that gratitude produces things in our life. You know, Jackson, before he did something good for me that I was grateful for, he was sort of a nuisance. He was, he was kind of annoying. But the moment he did something and I was able to express gratitude, everything about our relationship and our dynamic changed. Watch this. I want you to write this down. Your gratitude for blank produces the love you show for blank. See, the moment I had gratitude for Jackson was the moment that I started to show love for Jackson. Now, the immaturity on my part is that it took him doing something good for me. Maturity in the Lord is we're not waiting for someone to do something good for us. We're finding good in that person, good in that thing, good in that situation, good in that circumstance. Before anyone does it for us, we're gonna find it. You see, gratitude for your family produces the love you show your family. Gratitude for your spouse produces the love you show your spouse. Gratitude for your church produces the love you show your church. Gratitude for your crew produces the love you show your crew. The list goes on and on and on. And what I want you to catch today is when gratitude is not experienced, love will not be expressed. I mean, it's that simple. 
If you're not experiencing gratitude, you will not express love. And I think as believers, we have to do everything in our power to experience gratitude, not just in the highlights, not just in the good times, but even in the mundane, difficult moments that we find ourselves in right now. You see, it's not life's job to make you grateful. It's your job to remain grateful. And when you get grateful, you begin to express love. It's called the gratitude effect. You know, I love the passage of scripture that we're in today. Matthew 26, we're leading up to the cross and the day is now Thursday. And on Thursday, uh, what we discover here in this timeline of Jesus's life is that Jesus, he is making his way towards the cross, but on Thursday, it was the day of Passover preparation. Now, many of us that are watching this broadcast today, I don't want to assume that you are Jewish, but Passover is an amazing holiday that Jews celebrate even to this day. And as you read Matthew 26, what you discover is that Jesus, they come into this town and Jesus, he's with his disciples and his disciples, they come to him and they say, yo, Jesus, um, what's the plan for the Passover? Now it's Thursday. They're supposed to be eating that night. Meaning they're asking Jesus now, what is the plan for Passover? How many know that parties take real preparation when I have people over to my house and we have a dinner party or we have Thanksgiving, let's use Thanksgiving. How many know you gotta prepare for Thanksgiving? You, you gotta get a grocery list. You gotta get a guest list. You gotta get everything in your house settled. You gotta get the house cleaned. Passover is just like Thanksgiving. There's a grocery list. There's a guest list. You have to prepare for it. And I love these guys because we see in the text, they come to Jesus, they're like, hey, um, What's the plan for Passover? Well, bro, it is Passover. Let me just tell you, 12 dudes walking around with Jesus. Let me just tell you, uh, if they don't have a plan at this point, it's like, can you imagine 12 dudes walking around going like, you know, it's Thanksgiving, but we haven't planned at all. Like what, what's the plan? Uh, Boston Market, like, like <laughs> that's the plan. I'm gonna guarantee you right now, uh, these dudes without a plan, they are kind of out of luck here. They're, they're behind. Watch this about Jesus, because this is gonna encourage you. Jesus says, I want you to go into town and you're gonna find a man there. Now in Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel, we know that Jesus indicated that the man would be carrying a water jug. Now it was completely um, not ordinary for men to carry water jugs. In fact, in this time period, only women really carried water jugs. It was part of um, what they would do in that day. So men wouldn't carry it. So in Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel, Jesus signifies that this man will be carrying a water jug. What it tells us is the sovereignty of God, that ultimately, although the disciples didn't have a plan, Jesus had a plan. Although the disciples didn't prepare, Jesus had prepared. I want to encourage you today that God has made preparations for your problems before you are even aware that they exist. He's made preparations for every one of your problems. It was a problem for these Jewish men not to have a plan for Passover. But Jesus was already ahead of them with a solution. Go to that town. You're gonna to find a man carrying a water jug. Go to him. That man has already prepared a meal. He's got a house ready and we're gonna spend the Passover meal with him. Wow, I love this about our God. Because some of you right now, you are facing problems that you did not prepare for. But just because you're not prepared doesn't mean that God's not prepared. I was in the airport, not recently, this was a few months ago. 
and I was going to the airport and have you ever noticed in the airport, there's people who are selling you stuff. This guy walks up to me, he's got a display and or I should say I'm walking by this guy and he has this big display and he's, he's trying to sign you up for credit cards. <laughs> and I walked by him, he said, hey, do you wanna get this brand new credit card? I said, nah, man, uh, I, I'm good. But this man was relentless. I kept making excuses. But every time I gave this man an excuse why I didn't need the credit card, he came back with another solution or he came back with another reason why I needed the credit card. I would say, man, I don't need the credit card. He was like, oh, come on, man. You couldn't use a little extra money? I'm like, yeah, I think you need the credit card. No, man, I'm good without the credit card. Oh man, come on. Don't you wanna have a nicer car, a bigger house? I'm like, bro, how do you have an answer for every one of my excuses? In many ways, this is how God is. We keep giving excuses to God. We keep giving our problems. And every time we give God a problem, he keeps giving us solutions. Listen to me. There is no need to worry with God. If you are following God and trusting God, he's ahead of your problem. He's behind your problem. And he is in your problem. He has a solution for every one of your problems, even if you did not prepare for them. Jesus says, go to that town and you will find a man there and he has already prepared the Passover meal. But Jesus, no, go to the town. There's a man and he has prepared the Passover meal. Find encouragement right now. Because a couple months ago, I wasn't thinking about COVID-19, but I'm grateful that this hasn't shocked or surprised our God. Instead, God has solutions to problems I am unaware of. How do I know? because he did it in Matthew 26. Scripture says that that night they, they sit down for the party. And quickly, what's a party without some drama? <laughs> they start eating the meal and Jesus declares out loud, one of you will betray me. This is very important that you see this today. One of you will betray me. And all the disciples, they start looking at each other and go, wait, 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 wait are you, who's gonna, who's gonna, who is it? Who's gonna do it? And Jesus says, the one who dips his hand into the bowl. At that moment, Judas's hand was in that bowl. And Judas says, surely, Lord, not me. And Judas leaves that space. For a moment, I want you to zero in on the inexhaustible grace of Jesus. Can you just get this? The last supper was really Jesus's last meal. And Jesus is sharing his last meal with the one who would stab him in the back. Jesus is eating with the man who would put him on the cross. Friend, this is just another picture of the grace of our God. Some of you right now, you think that you do not deserve God's love. You think that you've run too far. You think you've made too many mistakes. You think that your sin has somehow separated you completely from God. You think your mistakes have kept you away from God's grace, but I wanna encourage you, it's the exact opposite. Jesus has inexhaustible grace. He is having his last meal and he decides and chooses to share his last meal with the man who would betray him. I've said it so many times, but even Judas Iscariot, when he comes to betray Jesus, before he gets to them in the garden that night, Jesus says, friend, do what you came to do. What a thought. The very last words that Judas ever heard was he heard Jesus saying the word friend. Jesus calls you friend, even in your worst crime. I've been thinking about this quite a bit. 
And this is so encouraging to me. This is so powerful to me. Because just take a moment. Many of us have heard that phrase, your last meal. That happens to people that are on death row. Imagine if you were on death row and imagine you knew the person that was going to pull the lever of the electric chair. I don't know about you, but if I was on death row and I was going to the electric chair, I probably wouldn't ask for the man who's gonna pull the lever to come and join me for my last meal. But friends, that's what Jesus does. Jesus is actually saying, if you have air in your lungs, I am pursuing you with love. If you have a pulse, there is still a purpose for your life. If your heart is beating, my love is unrelenting. I want you to know today that you have not run too far, but my grace is inexhaustible. It continues to pour out on you. I share meals with even my worst haters. That's what we discover in the Passover meal. This is a great reason for all of us today to be grateful, for all of us today to say, wow, I'm experiencing gratitude that God picked me, that God chose me, that God allows me to eat at his table, although I have sinned, although I have ran from God, although I have betrayed God, although I've sinned against God, he still invites me to sit at the table. Oh my goodness, gratitude comes over my life. And when gratitude comes over my life, it produces the love that I express towards God and others. Jesus, he sits with his haters. Jesus prepares. Jesus has a solution to our problems. Jesus sits with the worst of us and loves on us. When we're at our worst, he's still at his best, friend. But watch this. Jesus grabs some bread and he grabs the wine glass and he actually breaks the bread and when he breaks the bread, scripture says, I want you to see this, that he gave thanks. And this is where I want to, to land for a moment, that Jesus gave thanks. Please, once again, let's get the full context of what's taking place. Jesus is headed to the cross. In fact, he's less than 30 hours away from going to the cross. And even in his most challenging moment, He's taking time to express gratitude. He's experiencing gratitude. He's giving thanks. What if he's teaching you and I something? What if he's teaching us that in our darkest moments, in our most challenging moments, in our hardest moments, that we should stop and we too should give thanks? What if he's teaching us that gratitude is going to produce some major things in our life. The very fact that Jesus gave thanks indicates to me that no matter what season I am in, I must look for the good and I must give thanks. I wanna show you quickly today, and I want you to write these down. I want you to start lighting up the comments. I want you to put these in the comments right now. And let's begin to discuss these even right now as I'm preaching. That's what I love about technology is that we get to have a conversation while I'm preaching. I believe that Jesus shows us the effects of gratitude. I believe he wants us to understand that gratitude has an effect on your life. And gratitude is a weapon in times of trials and challenges. We are all facing the pressure of this virus. This is very, very strange to come to you in this way. But I don't wanna stop being grateful. No matter how hard it gets, I wanna fight to maintain and to keep 
gratitude, to keep being grateful. Let me show you four things. I'm gonna go through these quickly. Then we're gonna come back towards the significance of Passover. Four things that gratitude does in our life. These are the effects of gratitude. Number one, write this down. Gratitude protects your perspective. Gratitude protects your perspective. Listen to me. All of us have a point of view. We're all seeing something from a certain angle. In fact, many times the way that we're seeing the world is not actually how the world is. We don't see the world for how it is. We see the world for how we are. We're all looking through a lens. And sometimes the lens we're looking through is really broken. It's shattered. Sometimes the lens we're looking through is toxic. And if I'm looking through a toxic lens, it doesn't matter if I'm looking at something healthy, I'm going to interpret it as being toxic, as being broken. But when I choose to start living grateful, what it does is, is it reframes everything around me and it puts everything into a proper perspective, puts everything into a eternal perspective. You see, all of us are living out a story. My story is for God's glory. And all I get is this little blip, but this little blip, this little story that I'm living is all a part of the big story that God is telling. And every day that I choose to express gratitude, it keeps me humble and it refocuses me and it recenters me and it brings me back to a healthy perspective. In fact, if you're watching this broadcast right now, if you're in your car listening to it by way of podcast or Maybe you're even in your home right now joining us for Church Online. Just take five seconds right now and just look at somebody in the eye if you're around them and just say, thank you, I love you. Can you just do that real quick? Just express that to some people, even in the chat rooms. Just say, thank you, I love you. What this doing is, this is protecting your perspective. It's, it's reminding you that you're a part of a, a bigger story. It's keeping you humble and it's connecting you to other people. See, more and more as I grow, what I'm reminded about, when I live a grateful life, I'm reminded that there's been so many people that have got me to where I am. Listen, I got some bad areas of my life and I got some challenges just like you, but I'm telling you, there's a whole lot of good areas of my life and there's a lot of good areas in your life. But all the good in your life is not simply a result of your good behavior and your work ethic and your, your good deeds and your pedigree. No, a lot of the good in your life has come from other people, has come from the grace of God. And when you stop and when you express gratitude, it protects your perspective. Your perspective needs to stay healthy if you're gonna stay healthy. The first effect of gratitude is that gratitude protects your perspective. The second effect of gratitude is that gratitude focuses your future. I love this idea that the effect of gratitude is that it focuses my future, that I'm not actually just living for right now today. I'm actually living for who I'm becoming. I'm actually living for the family that I wanna create. I'm actually living for the legacy that I want to leave. And we all need a vision of where we're going. And every time I express gratitude, once again, it, it focuses my future of where I'm headed. Listen to me, you don't have to be the best today, but you certainly have to get better today. And grateful people get better. Thankful people get their future focused. Years and years ago, uh, some friends of mine, we came together and we came up with this little motto. And the motto is really simple. 
The motto says, better at 70. And the entire premise is simply this, is that as we get older, we wanna continue to get better. That by the time I get to 70, I want my marriage to be the best it's ever been. I wanna be more generous in my 70s. I wanna laugh harder in my 70s. I I wanna be more radical for Jesus. All that we're doing is, is we're playing the long game. All that we're doing is simply reverse engineering the life that we want to have. That's why some of our friends got it tattooed on their skin, better at 70. It's simply a reminder that I'm gonna live grateful today because I believe over time, God is gonna continue to develop in me the right spirit. Listen to me, there's no such thing as overnight successes. There's only overtime successes. And gratitude focuses your future. It keeps you walking towards the vision that God has given you. But the third effect of gratitude, write this one down, is gratitude gravitates towards generosity. Oh, I love this idea that gratitude gravitates towards generosity, that grateful people are always generous people. The more grateful I am, once again, my perspective is protected. I'm realizing that I'm a part of a bigger story, that life is not just about me, myself, and I, but rather it's about God's story. And I recognize that all the good in my life isn't just based upon all the good things that I've done, but rather it's God's inexhaustible grace. It's other people he's brought around me that have helped me, that have sharpened me, that have shaped me. And now, because I recognize that, now I can, I can gravitate towards generosity. I can become more generous. Scripture says in Proverbs that the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Oh, but the world of the generous gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You see, generosity is a door for you to walk into a bigger world. I don't wanna live in a small world. I don't wanna live with small thinking. I don't wanna live complaining about small problems. I don't wanna fear small issues. No friends, I wanna be a person that steps into the big things that God has called me to. And the way I handle the small stuff is how God is gonna give me opportunities for big stuff. But I must live generous. How do you define generosity? Generosity is defined by giving more than what is required. And when I give more than what is required, I'm telling you what, God is gonna continue to open up new doors. Now, many times when we think about generosity, we just think financially. Definitely that's one area that we can be generous. In fact, if you're out there, Vu Church is doing everything we possibly can to be meeting the needs of people that are struggling with this virus right now. And I think Vu Church is a great place for you to be generous with your finances in this time of need. We are deploying people. We are meeting needs financially. We're doing whatever we possibly can. And I wanna encourage just our community that's watching right now, continue to be generous. I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I'm telling you, You're not gonna go broke giving to God. When you put God first, you'll never come in second. But generosity is not just about finances. It's about opportunities that God gives us. I always think about King David when it comes to this principle. Before King David was King David, he was Shepherd David. He was the youngest of all of the sons. And his job was to look after his dad's sheep. Let me just tell you, nobody wants this job. But every time that David looked after his father's sheep, he did so with a generous attitude. I believe he was a grateful man. I could read the Psalms in a moment. I'm gonna read a Psalm to you. 
But as you read the Psalms, David over and over again is radically generous, that he's constantly being generous with his words, generous with his worship, generous with his praise. But he lived generous because when he had nothing, when he was a shepherd, when he was looking after sheep, I'm telling you, one day a bear came. And when the bear came, David didn't run away from the sheep. No, the generous spirit came over him. He said, I'm gonna do more than what's required. And he defeated a bear. He risked his life for sheep. But another day, a lion came. The same generous guy said, all right, I'm gonna risk my life for these sheep once again. Watch what God does. God gives him the bear. It looks like an obstacle, but really it was a door for generosity. Then God, he promoted him by giving him a lion. But really that was just a door for a greater blessing, which was called a giant known as Goliath. By the time that David gets to the giant known as Goliath, he has already defeated the bear. He has already defeated the lion. He has risked his life for sheep. Come on. It was easy for him to risk his life now for the people that he loves. See, what I want you to get today is that generosity is more than your finances. Generosity, it's a spirit that we carry, that we recognize that on the other side of this generous act, on the other side of me giving more than what's required, a door is gonna open up. And when that door opens up, many times it looks like a big, huge obstacle, a bear, a lion, a giant, a virus. But if I will continue to gravitate towards generosity, God is gonna promote me into a bigger world. Listen to me. The effect of gratitude is that grateful people are generous people and they gravitate towards generosity because they know on the other side of their generosity is a bigger world. This shepherd boy went to being the greatest king possibly that Israel ever saw. And he had many victories after it, but I believe it comes back to his gratitude, his generosity. The fourth effect, I want you to write this down of gratitude is the gratitude effect attracts the right attention. I'm telling you about just the effects of gratitude. Gratitude attracts the right attention. Listen to me. Grateful people are unforgettable people. I love this concept. Live unforgettable. Being unforgettable, by the way, is really the difference of just a little. Sometimes we're, we're forgettable and sometimes we're unforgettable and becoming unforgettable is literally just living a little bit different. And one of the little differences that you can make to become unforgettable is being grateful. I'm not talking about you about being famous and having a huge platform and being rich and being popular. But let me tell you what, you can become unforgettable today in your home. You can live your life in a way that you are unforgettable to your children, to your spouse, to your coworkers, you can be unforgettable at your school. You can be unforgettable with your family. How? By becoming grateful. It's, it's interesting because just gratitude is so counterculture. Like it's just, thank you. Well, what was that? Oh, I was just saying thank you. Oh yeah, no problem. Hey, thanks a lot. What was that? Oh, I just wanted to say thanks. Hey, I just wanted to tell you, um, I'm super grateful for you. Your life has made an impact in my life and I'm just, I'm thankful. I'm just, thank you. What? Yeah, yeah, man, no, no problem. However I can be of service again. It's funny, my, my son Wyatt right now, we're teaching him all sorts of stuff and I'm always trying to teach him manners. And at night, um, I always put him to bed and I always give him his bottle before we go to sleep. And it's so cute because he always, ba, 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 he wants a bottle so bad. 
And finally, when I give it to him, it's the cutest thing ever because as soon as he gives me the, I give him the bottle, he goes, thank you. I love how he goes, thank you. And every time he goes, thank you, my heart, it like bursts. My heart just, I can't even explain the feeling. Hearing my little boy simply say, thank you, it melts my heart. And guess what I wanna do? I simply want to do more for him. You see, Jesus, he's teaching us the gratitude effect. Before he breaks the bread, before he drinks the wine, he gives thanks. And we know that the entire premise of this thing called the Last Supper and the Passover meal and communion is all about remembrance. And what a powerful idea that when I live grateful to Jesus, I'm attracting the right attention. I'm attracting the attention of heaven. For Jesus says that when you remember me, I will remember you. And when you and I, even in our hardest moments, when we go, thank you, I believe it melts the heart of our father. And his response is, I simply wanna do more for you. Why? Because you lived grateful. Gratitude, it's protecting our perspective. Gratitude, it's focusing our future. Gratitude, it's gravitating towards generosity. And gratitude always attracts the right attention. Listen to me. The only attention that you should be after is the applause of heaven. We're living our life for the applause of one, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, he broke bread, he grabbed a cup, And he gave thanks. And the significance of this moment was that this was a party, as I told you earlier. This was a celebration that Jews to this day continue to celebrate. It's called the Passover. And the Passover was in reference to the Israelites coming up out of Egypt for 400 years. Somebody right now just say 400 years. I want you to hear that. 400 years, the Israelites were in slavery and bondage in Egypt. And there they were living as slaves to Pharaoh and they were working as slaves. And just as you read the historical accounts, just such awful conditions they were living under. Children would be sacrificed to false gods. Uh, Women would be raped, would be used however they wanted. Men were beaten with whips. It was just an excruciating way to live. Major challenges. And after 400 years of this slavery and this bondage, God said, enough. And he picked a man by the name of Moses. He said, Moses, I'm gonna use you. I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to set my people free. And Moses, who had a stuttering problem, Moses, who had challenges, said, Lord, how how are they ever gonna listen to me? How's this ever gonna work? And God said, I'm gonna go with you. I'll use you. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no, I'm not letting your people go. I'm getting good work out of them. And that began a series of 10 different plagues. You can read about these plagues in the book of Exodus. Plague after plague, all sorts of stuff. Locusts, frogs, the Nile River turning to blood, boils. The list goes on and on. But it was the 10th plague that was the worst plague that finally made Pharaoh change his plans. And the 10th plague was known as the death angel. That there was a mandate given to the Israelite people that you're to slaughter a lamb and take the blood of the lamb and paint it over the doorpost of your home. And when the death angel comes up over Egypt, any house that doesn't have the blood painted over the doorpost, the firstborn will be killed. 
Well, that night, the Israelites, they, they prepared and they obeyed as God said, and they took lamb's blood and they painted over the doorpost. The Egyptians, of course, did not. And when the death angel came over, all the firstborns in Egypt were, were taken, were killed. And right away, Pharaoh said, okay, enough is enough. You gotta get out of here. You gotta go. In fact, this is what Pharaoh says. Pharaoh says, Moses, would you bless me before you go? He said, take whatever you need. History records it as one of the greatest exchanges of wealth in all of history. That literally the Israelites plundered Egypt overnight and millions of people left Egypt and they actually blessed their oppressors on the way out. Now, what's powerful as you read in Exodus is God gave the people a command. And in the command, he said, once a year, I want you to remember the Passover. I want you to remember that I passed over you, that I spared you, that instead of having your firstborn die, rather the blood of the lamb protected you. And the way that I want you to remember is that I want you to sit down and I want you to take bread and I want you to take wine and I want you to have a meal together. And I want you to simply remember how good I was to you. Listen to me. When you remember how good God was to you in the past, you will not fear the future. And even right now, I know this is a tough time. It's a challenging time, but I want you to close your eyes and I want you to reflect on how good God has been to you. You're not dead yet. Your life is not over right now. You're still breathing. You're still here. And the only reason you are is because of his grace, because of his goodness, because of his blessing. He is a faithful God and he hasn't forsaken you and he hasn't left you. And when you can look backwards and remember how good he was, it's gonna help you not fear the future of where you're going. And God said, I want you to do this once a year. I want you to make this systematic. I want your gratitude to be systematic. I don't want you to do this meal out of feeling. I want you to do this meal because you have set it on your calendar. Every year you're gonna do this. Every year you're gonna reflect. Every year you're gonna remember about my goodness, that I spared you, that I saved you, that I brought you up out of Egypt. I am a good God and I have good plans for you. Every year. What's amazing about this night as they're having the Passover meal is that Jesus brings a brand new meaning to the Passover. And that's what Matthew 26 is all about because Jesus is hours away from the cross. He is literally facing hell and he's gonna come back, but he's facing all of it, friends. It is Thursday, but he's teaching them the gratitude effect. And now he's flipping the Passover meal and he's saying to them, yo, listen, I know you've been having this meal year after year. And I know you've been remembering about God delivering you from a physical bondage. But listen to me, I want you to understand that I'm bringing brand new meaning to it because the Passover is about Jews finding physical freedom, but the Last Supper is about humanity finding spiritual freedom, spiritual freedom. For Jesus is saying, yo, listen, I now am the one who's going to set you free, not from a physical bondage, but from the bondage of sin and shame. I'm going to redeem you. 
Therefore, take the bread. And when you eat the bread, recognize this is my body, which is broken. Take the cup, drink the cup and recognize this is my blood that was shed for you. What's he saying? He's saying that years and years and years ago, God passed over your house because the lamb's blood was shed. But now I want you to know that God is going to pass over your life because me, Jesus Christ, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, I now have been painted over your life and therefore God's punishment passes over you because my blood was shed for you. For I am God's firstborn and I will take your punishment so you can receive my reward. I know I'm in an empty room and I'm getting way too hyped up, but this gets me excited because Jesus is telling you and I that if you got nothing to be grateful for today, if you're locked away in your house, if you've lost your business, if you've lost your job, if you've lost your health, if you've lost loved ones, if the pain and the fear and the anxiety is growing, he's saying, no, if you have a relationship with me, you always have a reason to be grateful. For my life was taken on a cross and I went to the grave, but I resurrected so that you could have life and life more abundantly. And no matter what you face in this earth, because of me, you can remember that I have already overcome the world and every bit of pain and every challenge you have is only temporary for I am the God who brings eternal, eternal satisfaction, eternal healing. I've come to save your soul. Get grateful about it because there's effects to gratitude. Scripture says that they finished the meal and when they finished the meal, Look at this last verse, verse 30. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You see, it was customary and still is customary that when the Passover meal finishes, that you, you worship, you sing together. How many know that remembrance leads to worship? And there's different songs they sing. One of the songs they would have sang would have been Psalm 118. It's that same person I told you about, King David a second ago. I wanna read Psalm 118, one through 14, and I wanna read it from a worshipful tone for even right now, wherever you're watching from, if you're in your car, if you're in your house, if you're watching on way of online, Facebook, YouTube, all of our different platforms, I'm so grateful for technology, but however you're watching this right now, I want your heart to go towards worship. I want you to get grateful because listen to me, as you experience gratitude, you're gonna express love. And the best thing you can do right now is you can express love for Jesus because you're experiencing gratitude for Jesus. He didn't find your sunglasses. He died for you. <laughs> he did something far greater. He went to the cross, he died. He paid the price for your sins. And because of it, there's an effect called the gratitude effect. Psalm 118, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. In my anguish, I cried to the Lord and he answered by setting me free. The Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? 
The Lord is with me, he is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They swarmed around me like bees, but they died out as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He is my salvation. Come on, friends, if you believe that, come on, can you put your hands together? Can you thank Jesus? Come on, can you get grateful for God right now? When you begin to experience gratitude, you're gonna begin to express love. The effects of gratitude are awesome in our lives. I love you. I believe in you. This too shall pass. Don't forget the gratitude effect. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.